All right. Welcome to another episode of Scotty Talks Philly Sports. Uh, I'm welcomed here by another special guest in this week. Uh, I got my man, Bob Manoff of Last Out Media. Um, you guys know him from Twitter. I'm sure he covers the Sixers for Last Out Media, writes, writes a whole bunch of good content, and uh, gets you all the inside scoop with the Sixers and what's going on there. Um, happy to have you on the show, man. We're going to you know, kick off the Sixers season. I'm happy to get away from the bird, man. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you this. I, I don't know how good the Sixers will be, but their offense will be fun. Better than the Eagles. Exactly. <laughs> That's damn um, sure. There we go. So so we'll we'll dive right into, you know, all the moves that were made. Um, obviously, Doc Rivers, you know, the getting rid of Al Horford was huge. Um, we'll dive into all of that. I did want to give Rob, you know, a quick a quick chance to just plug himself in, uh, get all my viewers, you know, accustomed to what you do, what you got going on out there. If you want to take that moment, Rob. Yeah, man. So if you guys don't know me, um, I write for Last Out, lastoutmedia.com. Um, I pretty much only do Sixers stuff. Um, we're, you know, getting to a point where I'm, I'm in I'm in some Zoom accesses and I'm probably going to be at a couple games at least. Um and so you'll kind of say, we, we have a great Sixers team, too. So check out lastoutmedia.com. Um, if you want to talk to me, hit me up. Bullshit, talk Sixers or whatever. You can find me on Twitter at ManoffRM. Uh, Manoff, just like my last name, and then RM. Yes, sir. Scrolling at the top of the screen there. So everybody be sure to go give him a follow on Twitter. Be sure to also give Last Out Media a follow on Twitter as well. They got some big stuff going on over there, and uh, it's only going up from from where they are right now. Um, let's dive right in. We got some uh, Sixers news to discuss. Um, you know, we'll start right off. You know, some of the, the offseason moves. Obviously, the first move was firing Brett Brown, um, getting him out the door. Um, I don't know where you stood with Brett Brown. You know, I, we we just came across each other a little while ago. So um, I don't know if you were one of the Brett Brown, you know, haters or if you were one of the Brett Brown apologists or maybe you're in the middle, whatever the case may be. Um, there isn't, I'll tell you this. When you if you follow me, you start talking to me. There isn't much hater or apologist in me. The biggest apologist that I've been told is I'm apparently a Ben Simmons apologist. but We'll get into that later. Yes, um, yes. Brett was I like Brett. I've, I've talked to him. I've heard him talk. I, I think he's smart. Um. I didn't think it was ever going to work here, and I, I didn't. I thought it was just time. Um, when you have guys like Joel, who's only had what three head coaches in his life, like in his entire life, I'm not even talking about just the, the NBA, like college, yeah, high school, and then yeah, three head coaches. Um, I, I think it's good to have outside perspectives come in. And you know, Brett Costello, I would have fired Brett after the Raptor series, but that's. Like, I, I started to feel bad for Brett throughout the season because what the hell is he going to do? Like, that team was a mess, you know? Yeah. So, but I'm happy they moved on. Yeah. yeah. You know, to your point, it's kind of like the the card dealt just wasn't very – you know, signing out Horford, creating this, like, log jam, um, you know, in that those, those big man's area – it, it, it was just, you know, it's similar to even Doug and the Eagles situation, you know, just toxic all around. You feel bad for the coach, um, even though you may think he's doing some un 
you know, questionable stuff. You um, can't, uh, my bad. Um, good. I think it was incredibly unfair to tell a coach with that kind of roster turnover that they have to perform that year in order to keep his job. So what I saw from Brett last year was him coaching scared. Um, he coached for his job. Like yeah, yeah. people, people were mad. They said, oh, well, Shake, Shake should have been playing all season. Well, Shake didn't really play that good in the beginning of the season. And Brett Brown's job's on the line. So what is he supposed to do? With a team that never worked offensively, he was screwed from the beginning. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's I, what I saw I, last season. I have to agree <laughs> there. Um, I, I was definitely, you know, on on Brett, Brett Brown's ass. Um, you know, once we got to the playoffs, and it was a little unfair. I admit that. Um, you know, it's you, it, at a certain point without Ben Simmons, you don't have a ball handler. I mean, you you can call Shake a ball handler. Um, he does a lot of things well. He's not a true, you know, first person like Ben Simmons who can get an offense up and running and operating. Yeah, and man. So we'll, we'll talk about Ben Simmons later, but it was interesting watching this team in the playoffs against a team like the Celtics without Ben Simmons. And you see, you really saw how much he brings to the table um, for a team like the Sixers. But we'll, we'll get into Ben. There's a lot of disrespect that's been going on. And I saw your tweet earlier today. Um, it's like low key disrespect, too. Like, yeah, well, we'll get into it. We'll talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because um, I, I am, you know, similar to you. I Ben Simmons is my favorite player on the team. Um, mm-hmm. you know, fandom wise, he's my favorite player. I love the way he plays. Um, I obviously I know his weaknesses. I, I do want him to be a, a lot more aggressive. Um, you know, not not even shooting, just driving the lane. Um, get into the free throw line. Um, you know, you, you see the way Giannis plays, and I'm and I'm not trying to sit here and make this comparison mm-hmm. on that, but you know, he drives the lane and he gets fouls, he, he creates foul trouble for other teams, and uh, there's no reason that Ben can't be that dominant force when he attacks the lane. What if I told you he's done it in mm-hmm. January of last year? Yeah, so January of last year, he averaged about 10 free throws a game, and he was shooting about 70% with them. Um, and that's my biggest beef with Ben is I would love to see him do that all year long. Yeah. So you can see in his spurts when he's ready to attack. Um, but he, you know, sometimes his offensive game disappears. Yeah. yeah. There. He's young still. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. We'll, we'll get into that. Let's get back to the moves. But I, yeah, I, I do want to dig into that Ben Simmons talk. Um, so then, you know, the next up, we, we hire Doc Rivers. You bring in Daryl Morey. Of course, you know, then Doc Rivers brings in his coaching staff, uh, gets that all situated. Um, how excited are you for Doc Rivers? How confident are you in Daryl Morey? Um, you know, just being there beside Elton Brand, they brought in reinforcement for Elton Brand. You know, they didn't just let him walk. Um, so how, how confident are you in the front office now that the direction that they've already showed they're going in? Um, as well as Doc Rivers, you know, just working with Ben and Joel and, and getting these guys, you know, ready to hit their full potential. So uh, the front office, all right. When Maury became available, Sixers Twitter jumped, and they were like, oh, we need Maury and all. And I was like, well, just think about it. Like, if you really look at what Houston has done over the past couple of years, um, I wasn't a fan. Um, and my original thought was, and this is – you know, mistakenly, because I didn't know Maury that well. Um, I didn't hear him talk. I didn't listen. I didn't know much about him. 
I thought that he was going to, he was always going to have that same idea of how to, he wanted to build a play around James Harden or something like that. Um, I thought he only had one philosophy. Um, what I found when I got here and then doing some research, obviously the head Dwight, um, T-Mac and uh, Yao were there when Maury was there. Maury gives me so much faith because his ability to not make emotional moves. Like if you talk to him, um, if he if he were, if he's not the type of person that can think logically and take emotion out of it, Ben Simmons would have been traded for James Harden by now. So he doesn't panic. Um, he's a, he has the ability to pivot, and the moves that he made it that he made like really surprised me. It, Horford, the Horford deal was amazing, um, just because he gets you a full MLE next year. Like just moving Horford's good, but getting back expiring contracts is insane. Yeah. You know, like. It's absolutely insane, and it just sets you up for the future. So, Maury coming in, and I've always liked Elton. That's another thing for me. I've never blamed a lot of Elton, like people like to blame him. Um, I didn't. It's hard with their last front office because you never know what the you never know who was making the news. Um, but I like the way Elton carried himself. I like what I heard from people like Woj and Shams that he's respected around the league. Um, when you listen to Elton talk, he sounds smart. Yeah. You know, he, he's not out there just bullshitting like, oh, I want four power quarters. He seems like he thinks things through. I think he was just in a bad situation and just wasn't ready. Um, yeah. His ability to work with Maury and learn from Maury, I, I think it's a good situation. As far as Doc, he is what he is. He was kind of bland for me. I was a big uh, Ty Lue guy. One thing that, you know, kind of threw me over and listening to him in press conferences and stuff is he's going to force Joel and Ben to play together. And I think that was one of the bigger mistakes Brett did was having that, the Brett called it the Al Horford and Joel and B team, two different lineups. Remember in the playoffs he's going to, it was really Ben and Joel. If you watch throughout their careers, they haven't played enough together. Um, and when they did, they didn't, he, like like Ben even said it, I've never been allowed to run a pick and roll with Joel. Right. Like, you've never been allowed. Like, try it. <laughs> and now I think we're going to see more um, stuff like that. So at least we'll figure it out. You know, yeah, if, yeah. if you go this year and they can't figure it out, you have more info. But before that, they played together well, and but they never were used together, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm happy that Doc's going to come in and try to push them together. And his bench, Sam Cassell is probably the best hire for me out of everything. Um, I think he'll do phenomenal, not just for Ben, but the way the team's set up now, we have young guards. Shake Milton, uh, Tyrese Maxey, um, Seth Curry, I think, is our only veteran guard. Yeah. So they're all young guys. So they need, like, I think a guard who has success, who wasn't like a superstar on the bench and somebody who gets praised throughout the league from guys like John Wall for helping them is a huge hire and will help these guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I would love him to stay for a couple of years, but he, he should get a job soon. Head coach. Yeah. And uh, to your point about, Patel, you know, he was a guy that, you know, this off season, he was kind of, People were wondering if he was going to finally get that opportunity, you know, to I be. A he was. 
And, um, you know, it wouldn't even have been a, a guy that I would have been mad at us taking a shot at in all reality. Now, I'm, I'm happy we did get Doc, um, just somebody with experience, you know, mm-hmm. handling personalities and superstars. Um, you know, hasn't had the most success with the Clippers. You know, he had a stacked team. It was her first year, and, um, you know, it was her first year having Brian Paul George. So they had a little, you know, a little, you know, ruffled feathers there, whatever the case may be. Um, I think overall he brings experience, um, and, and at least, you know, he can he can get – I think what I hated about Brett Brown is the accountability, and mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Doc and Sam Cassell – and the rest of their coaching staff can bring some accountability to the team. Um, You've heard the stories out of the Clippers, right? What was that? You've heard the stories with the Clippers team last year. Yeah. So I, a coach, a coach. what I found out is a coach can only be hold his people as accountable as ownership will let them. Um, and I'm not sure ownership in the front office really supported Brett in a way they're going to support Doc. Yeah. Um, so I think – a lot of people will point at and go, well, look what he let Paul George and Kawhi Leonard do last year. Well, did Doc let him do it or did the Clippers let him do it? And you can't piss off the Clippers because then you're getting fired, which he did. You know? So, hope the, and that's another good thing, not to go off track, but ownership, I've never, ownership gets a bad beat because they're kind of assholes. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> they spend money. And they're willing to spend money. Um, my biggest beef with our ownership was always it seemed like they were around too much making decisions. And But that's because we had young guys. Um, you know, you had Elton as the head of your front office. You had Brett, who's never had a head coaching job before this. Well, Maury and Doc aren't coming here. M- Maury's not coming here. If ownership's going to be telling him who to draft, who to trade for, if he's, they're going to be in his shit. So this was actually the first draft I actually walked away and I was like, you know, Josh Harris and uh, whoever else had nothing to do with it. Right. So I think their experience alone is going to help our ownership because our owners aren't experienced basketball owners. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they bought a team, tried to flip it basically. And then they decided to play, you know, uh, fantasy basketball, (laughs) get as many high you know, players as they can, even though they ain't fit. Like, so. Yeah. So I think, and that was a good point with, uh, you know, Doc and the Clippers. Um, you know, you look at Brad, kind of in a, not, not the same situation as Doc in LA, but it was very similar. To where, you know, the front office maybe started leaning a little bit more towards the, you know, cautionary questioning everything Brett Brown says or does. Whereas the same thing might have been going on with the LA front office and their ownership with Doc Rivers, you know, his voice was kind of fading away from that organization. He was there for eight years. Yeah, exactly. He was there through, you know? You know, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. I mean, DeAndre, like that whole Lob City thing. I mean, I mean, in a comparison, look at, uh, and I'm not saying these two are the same, but look at what moving on did for Andy Reid. Yeah. You know, I mean, we all knew Andy was a good coach. He just – it didn't work here after a while. So, yeah, hopefully yeah. a fresh start will help Doc. Plus, I think the Clippers, um, the way they were set up, I didn't think was that great. Um, they relied too much on Trez to be, like, the backup center, um, and he just can't. Right. So, the one thing I will say about Doc and what I've heard and read is he – once he has things set – 
he doesn't like to change them. So when you saw the Denver series, he didn't want to play Zubac. He should have. He didn't. Um, so, you know, fans love to talk about adjustments and bitch about adjustments. You might not see what you think you're going to see out of Doc. But maybe he learned. Maybe that, you know, told him something. He comes in here and changes it. I don't know. But that's yeah, the one yeah. big complaint I've heard about him. Yeah. I think that was, you know, mockery that everybody was making when Doc was signed as the head coach was like, you know, during the playoffs against the Celtics, everybody was complaining about making adjustments to, you know, the Celtics small ball. And, um, you know, Doc is just under that same mindset of, you know, just set in stone type of uh, schemes and game plans. Um, so hopefully he learned, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'll trust Doc with the team, you know, even probably more than Brett Brown. Um, you know, we'll move, we'll move on from, from those talks, but you know, I did just want to point out with Elton Brand, I, I thought you made a good point. You know, this was his first job in a, in a front office of that caliber. And, yeah. uh, you know, this guy is smart, you know, he comes from Duke university. I mean, he's, he's been in the league. He knows the league. He's, he knows everybody around the league. He's well-respected. So I think it's good to you know stick with him. Um, groom him, give him somebody to learn. Yeah. Like you said from Daryl Morey, um, and, and you know, Daryl Morey, I guess let me ask you this: What did you what did you not like about what he did in Houston? What was it that bothered you about that team? Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of his trades over the past couple of years, which have come out and said maybe that wasn't him, and which kind of makes sense because he did leave and say, yeah. "Well, I'm going to go spend time with my family," and then a week later he was in Philly. Right. So if I'm Maury and I'm starting to lose control, I'm leaving. You know what I mean? Um, but the, the overall, so I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Harden and how, and it could. Now that I'm thinking about it, this could be a organization thing rather than a Maury thing. The way they constantly shift it, they bring in Dwight, they bring in CP3, they bring in Westbrook. They constantly tried to do things to uh, adjust to help Harden and um, never forced Harden to adjust. So I just saw, not knowing much about Maury, except for he was a guy that taught Hinky. Um, I saw a guy that, you know, tried to force building around Harden instead of making Harden 1V. Um, and that's what scared me. And, and that's not a shot at Harden. I just don't think primarily guards uh, scoring guards are something you can build your, your offense around. Um, I, I, that's why I like Ben Simmons so much because he brings so much to the game, so much through the offense than just scoring and the, the style of play there. Um, I think it takes players out of the game sometimes. So I didn't want him to come here and, and try to make us Houston 2.0. Yeah, that's what scared me. Um, but when he got here and I actually learned, I started to feel a lot more comfortable. So when you talk to him, that's not that was never his goal. Um, and he made a lot of good points, too. And other people make good points when he played with Yao and T-Mac were totally different than when they had Harden. So maybe I was just I might have been a little contrarian at that point. But, you know, everybody loves them. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let's 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 think about this, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it's good. It's it's comfortable knowing he's able to do things and 
draft guys like Maxi. Yeah, <laughs> which that was a cool, and uh, we'll talk about that in a second here. Um, they finally was, made the obvious pick. Like right, right. Was there, they didn't overthink it, and they just took him. And exactly. I'm happy about it. Exactly. And uh, he's going to be a very dynamic piece to this puzzle. Um, you know, I to your point about his time in Houston, um, I think you see, you know, with the trade that happened literally right after he left, um, exchanging Russell Westbrook for John Wall was just another one of those things. Yeah, it's just weird. And, you know, doesn't it's not I don't think it makes him a better team. I don't know if it makes him a worse team. Um, so the only thing I can think of is apparently Harden runs his course with people teammates yeah so, um, it happened with cp3 so the only thing i could think of was they were trying to make maybe i dude this is speculation like maybe Harden uh was getting a little annoyed with westbrook so yeah, they said, yeah. we'll get rid of westbrook you know try to get him to stay that's the only thing i can think of but that that trade was stupid yeah <laughs> same, same contracts yeah, um, yeah and you get a, a heavily protected pretty much first round pick in a few years um <laughs> It was like swapping things. Like they're just they're still the same team. Yeah. Although yeah. I think Washington's better. Yeah. But yeah. It, it didn't make a lot of sense. I. Yeah. It, it, it was it's very pointless. Um. You know. I wondered if it. You know. I know Cousins is down there. Were they trying to? You know. Create that. I. I don't know what they were trying to do with that trade. Um. But I don't that's know interesting. Because that <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, Westbrook, and it, and it could have been Westbrook, it could have been Harden, because they're both guys who like to take a lot of shots. Mm. Um, the only positive that I would have seen, and we'll, we'll talk about Harden in a little bit here, but, um, you know, his ability to score when Joel's off the floor. But the last thing I want him doing is taking so many shots where guys like Tobias aren't, aren't you know, in a rhythm. Guys like Joel aren't in a rhythm, not touching the ball enough. Um, yeah. you know, that was one of my peeves watching the team, especially with Ben not there. If Joel is in the paint, I think he needs to get a touch every single possession. You know, even if he's not going to put up a shot, just get the ball down there to him, draw some attention, get the ball back out. Now, part of that is Joel's passing out of the double team. He, he becomes he, a black hole. Yeah, yeah, he needs to work on that. So I, I get that. And I um, think the I think the playoffs were worse for him because when Ben went down. I think they drilled in into Joel that he's their shot. And he was because he can he dominated the Celtics. The problem is, and, and not to stick up for Tobias, I am I, I think Tobias is a good basketball player. You destroy Tobias Harris when he's just standing there for half the game, not touching the ball. He's not that kind of player, which is why he's so good with playing with Ben. Um, so Joel started passing the ball well in the bubble in the beginning. Um Ben, ben getting hurt screwed everything up. Yeah. So yeah. I, this year, that's something I want to look for is Joel's passing. Um, and and like we were saying with Harden, like Harden and Tobias to me can't play together. So if you bring Harden in, you have to move Tobias. Um, just because of that dynamic. Now a lot of people say Harden and Ben can't play together, which I don't agree with. Um, I think Ben will. Harden is a very good passer. He's very underrated as a passer. Um, Ben's ability to cut to the rim is something they could never take advantage of because the Sixers don't have anybody that can pass the ball outside of Ben. Like, if you think about it, like, Shane is not a passer. Um, And then your other point guards who actually can distribute the ball were TJ McConnell and uh, 
What's the other guy from last year? Neto. Neto, the Spanish TJ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, they, they can't – when they're on the floor, it's great that they can pass, get Ben the ball and pass it to him and all, but there's such a negative outside of that that you can't play them together. So if I think Harden and Ben could have coexisted. Um, Harden and – if you have still have Tobias on this team, you have a problem, I think. Yeah. And uh, another good point. Bring up Tobias. Um, another good point for Doc. You know, he got the best out of Tobias when he was in uh, LA for that short period of time. Um, so it should be interesting. Um, you know, I like your point about standing around because a lot of the time you just get, you just saw him, you know, spotting up in the corner and just sitting there for <laughs> while. Bolt, Joel, Joel just dribbles the ball, dribbles the hole in the. So it happened in the Raptor series too, because yeah. when they took the ball out of Ben's hand, it became the Joel and uh, Jimmy Jimmy game, which made sense. That's what they should have done. Right. But Tobias, and that's the problem with Tobias being a max player is he's not that kind of player. Right. He needs to play like team basketball, or like Doc says, get him in switches, get him in the pick and roll, get him you know against a bigger four, or get him against a smaller three. Um, and this is all stuff they they didn't do with him. Right, all right. So I'm a little hoping that you're going to see a better Tobias. Same. Just, I mean, his skill set's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's not much of a creator. But like Doc says, when he drives straight to the rim, you've seen it last year. Like, he's, he can get a bucket, and his shot, will, his shot is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. They just need to put him in better situations. Yeah. He's not a, a full-on stand-on, stand you know, standstill shooter. So um yeah, I, I'm I'm actually a big fan of Tobias. Um I wrote an article last, you know, well, right before we were going into the playoff bubble, um, you know, about how Tobias, you know, this was his, kind of his chance to step up without Ben Simmons there. Didn't work out. Ben Simmons is the ball handler, facilitator, playmaker. He makes Tobias more comfortable. So in reality, it kind of hurt Tobias even more having Ben Simmons out. Um, which it did that to the whole team, let's be honest. The whole team, yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to run down these transactions um, yeah. that the have made so far. We'll talk a little bit about them, but the rest of the show will pro- probably guide us through them. Okay. Um, so obviously we traded, you know, Josh Richardson to Dallas for Seth Curry. Um, there were some picks of Mauve there. Um, you had the trade with Horford for Danny Green and uh, Ferguson. You know, so some picks involved there as well. Um, you acquired Tony Bradley, signed Dwight Howard, drafted Matthew, Isaiah Joe, and Paul Reed. Um, so, you know, it, you also uh, re-signed Brokerov. So it, it, you're, you see the moves they're making. I think it's pretty obvious what Maury and, and Elton Brand were trying to do here. Um, shooting and perimeter defense. I mean, yeah. it, 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 it's clear. And then, of course, uh, what I like about the Seth Curry trade is not only is it, is it shooting, but he can create shots on his own. Uh, he gets he can be another passer on the floor as well. Um, so he's he's very creative. Um, you may not know this, but I'm a big Duke guy, so that's why I do refer to Duke very often. Um, that's why I'm a big uh, you know Seth Curry guy there. But um, that's that's probably one of the most exciting moves for me, um, just because he really picked up his play when he got to Dallas, and uh, you really started to see. Uh, the type of pure shooter that he is. Um, he's one of uh, he's he's one of those guys I can see here really breaking out. Um, 
he was unfortunate in Dallas because Dallas had a really lot of really good guards. So he didn't have a, I don't know his actual usage rate, but they didn't use him like I think the six as well. The way and I think he's going to get a lot more opportunity and a lot more opportunity to do different things. And you, he's good enough that he could excel at it. So you can see him really, me personally, think he can take a big jump because he's going to have, the one thing I will say though, I've been in two uh, Zoom calls with him. Mm-hmm. And what worries me about him right now, and this is all players, he has made it known that he's not just a spot up shooter. Um, and what bothers me about that is sometimes I feel like players overcompensate for that, where they don't want to be known as a spot up shooter, so they try to force other things. Um, I don't know, Steph, I, I don't know his game that enough if that's the type of player he is. Um, but that was my first impression when he keeps saying that. Yeah. yeah. You know, but they, we'll figure that out when he gets on the court. What I will um, Seth, and, and this is just off my experience watching him at Duke, so it was only, you know, maybe one or two seasons there that mm-hmm. he's there. Um, he, he does have ability. Um, he is a guy that can handle the ball pretty well. He did play a little bit. He's kind of combo guard, um, played a little bit of point guard, a little bit of shooting guard. Um, so he does have that background. Obviously, he's a pure shooter. That's what he's good yeah. at. Um, you know, the other part of his game that, you know, may come back to haunt us a little bit is just the defense. Um, he is a smaller guy. But, you know, his, his offensive ability does make up for that to an extent. He's, he's getting older. Um, as you get older, your defense generally gets better, I think, for most yeah. guys, because you start to learn your body, you come into your body. Um, and, you know, in all honesty, when you play with Joel and Ben, you can hide them. So, like, remember 2017, like, Seth's a better defender than Marco Bellinelli. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're up one there right there, you know. Um, and the way you just described Seth is kind of how I viewed him as an elite shooter who has the ability to do other things. So, like, do you see the video on the Sixers put out the other day where he threw the oop to Joel? Yeah. Okay. That reminded me of JJ. Yeah. Without, except JJ doesn't have the ability to drive and throw that oop. So Seth has both those abilities to come off the screen, to come off the handoff, then shoot and put the ball on the floor. So elite shooter that, that is an at least average player with the ball in his hands, I would say, at least that I would guess. Yeah. You know, and you know what we saw in the playoffs last year. You, you got to be ecstatic to have two guys like Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry coming onto this squad. You know, both guys that can handle the ball pretty well. You know, God forbid something happens to Ben again, but that offense looks stagnant. A lot of the time, our our point guards couldn't even get the ball up the court. You know what I mean? So they get the ball um, in the duel at times. Yeah, exactly. You know. That yeah, offense is like watching the Eagles. Yeah, literally, literally, <laughs> literally, literally. Yeah. Um, so next we'll, we'll jump in. I kind of want to see – I've seen a couple of lineups floated out around there. What's your ideal uh, starting lineup for this Sixers squad? Um, if it's just on-court skill set, it's uh, Seth Maxey, um, Seth Maxey, Green, Ben, and Joel. Um, and don't put positions next to him. Yeah. Um, just because I think Ben, Maxi, and Seth will be interchangeable. The problem with that lineup is Maxi's probably not going to be ready. Um, 
So when I say that's my ideal lineup, uh, maybe next year, you know, um, so I, I do think it's going to be the, the Seth and oh no, I'm sorry, not, not green Tobias. So my, I messed that up. Seth, Maxi, and Tobias and Joel would be my starters. Um, when Maxi's ready right now, I think you're going to have Danny green instead of Maxi. So with, you know, Tobias is an interesting point there because I know you mentioned, you know, you like him on the, you know, bigger fours, that matchup a little bit better. Is that somewhere where you would want to see Tobias playing, you know, basically starting at power forward? Because I, I think I think he does play better when he's at the – it's just a lot more of a mismatch for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he really can have his ways a little bit quicker, can get to the rack and pull up for the jump shot. Um, do you like him at the power forward spot or do you like him more at the small forward spot? Um, so historically, obviously, he's better at the power forward spot. Um, when he came here and especially last year when they call, they start him in the small forward, it, I want to see him how he plays with Doc. Um, so the one thing with Ben or with uh, Brett, the one thing with Brett is he – a lot of his stuff, when you said Tobias is uncomfortable at the three, it's because he's shooting from different parts of the court. Right. Whereas right. Doc's going to come in here, and if they're out on the court and Tobias has a smaller three, Doc's going to put him in that pick and roll where he's going to get that mixed match. So if they say he's a starting uh, small forward this year, it doesn't bother me as much as long as they're using him to get the advantage, which is what Doc was able to do so much. So – for me personally, at the end of the day, I don't care what you call them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get, get them, get them into the right spots. Um, and that was with like when you Brett's offense, when when they did it, like any type of motion or anything ran like that. The problem with Tobias was he's not shooting from the spots he was normally comfortable at. So they tried to make Tobias into JJ Redick. Everybody knows that he's not JJ Redick. Um, and they tried to make him into this. He can play the three. Because you think about it, like who who cares the three or the four, depending on who's guarding you, who cares what you call it. You know what I mean? Um, they just tried to use them in the wrong way. That when you look at his numbers at small forward, they're worse because of the way he was used. Right. So if he's at if he's just starting three one game, I have more faith that Doc's going to make him a better player at the three than Brett would have. Yeah. Because that's what you're talking about is just, you know, matchup basketball and, um, you know, looking at what you got on the floor and what the other team has and putting, you know, your your players in the best situations that you can put them in. Um, and, you know, you hope that Brett or that uh, Doc is a little bit better than at that than what Brett was. Um, I mean, you, saw, you saw just with Tobias and Tobias pick and roll rate was like 35 percent under Doc. Right. And that's the best thing. And the first thing Doc said was we want to get them in pick and rolls with different players. So you might see like a Tobias Joel Embiid pick and roll so that you get a Tobias switch onto a center and then he just blows right by him. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping that's what Doc tries to do is get to this untraditional thing where you just create mismatches rather than just having a Houston type pick and roll system where it's Harden and a big and the big's rim running. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So it's two different, to me, it's two different styles of play. I like the one I – not the Houston one, which right. is what I think Doc's going to bring. Right. right. And, 
I think you know, we brought up Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in the pick and roll earlier. And uh, that's actually an interesting one. I know everybody says, you know, the, the big talk was, you know, Ben Simmons doesn't shoot. You can drop off a pick and roll. That is possible. Um, and, and Joel Embiid doesn't have to, you know, fall and go to the basket either. He can pop out, hit a three, mm-hmm. jump shot, whatever you need him to do. Um, so that's, that's a, you know, part of an offense that has limitless potential. Um, Cause even then you can get a center on Ben Simmons. He can blow by him too. So yeah, yeah there you can run a pick and roll with Seth Curry and Joel Embiid. You can, you can run it with a multitude of guys, Shake Milton and Joel Embiid. Shake Milton, Elias Harris. I mean, you can run it with a multitude of guys. Yeah. And then people say, say you can't run it because Ben doesn't shoot, but Ben in the beginning of last season, if you watch Ben and Horford, they ran it just fine. Yeah. Like they ran pick and pop just fine. Um, one of my beefs with Horford was it was always a pick and pop. He, he never really adjusted and rolled. Um, but Ben, like they defenses still had a guard Ben, even though he wasn't going to shoot. And it got, it got Horford open. So it's, it, it'll happen. You know, it's just not as traditional as people like. Right. right. Yeah. And that's, that's Ben is not a traditional basketball player. I mean, he's, He's he's somebody who's ultraly skilled at position or at 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 abilities that don't necessarily involve you know him scoring and mm-hmm. and that's what people hate they just and if he, if you're not putting up thirty points a game then you catch a lot of heat in this league and I think it's very odd you know from somebody you know like myself I don't know about you but I played basketball when I was you know younger obviously mm-hmm. um and and I understand what it takes you know it's not all about scoring. Um, and, you know, even with that being said, the things that they don't point out about Ben is the scoring that he creates. And um, that that just goes – it gets so misguided when people talk about Ben. It, it's so ridiculous. He's, but, he is one of the best three-point assists last year. Yeah. With one of the worst three-point shooting teams. So, like, yeah. um, But when you said playing basketball, I'll, I'll give you a little background. I grew up playing basketball. I played ju- junior college basketball in here. Um, and I think one of the reasons I'm so – Quick to stick out for Ben is because I don't shoot. Um, I know that I don't know how you feel about this, but everybody says white guys can shoot. I didn't get that today. All right. Like, um, but I was able to do other things to affect the game than just shooting. And that's where I hope that I can see what Ben does because I thought I was a good player. So, like, if I'm not, you know, I can see the little things that Ben does. On obviously, Ben is. A lot better. Like he can score better than me. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, but um, you, there's there's intangibles about Ben that I really like. Um, when you listen to him talk, it's always us, we, you know, stuff like that. And he plays like it too. Yeah. Um, and he, when he's off the court, the Celtics series th- that team falls apart. Um, Joel Embiid dominates that team falls apart. So that's one of the reasons I don't want to trade Ben either is let Joel dominate and let Ben, you know, be that super glue. So I don't want to call Ben a glue guy. Um, But if there's ever a superstar or star that is needed on the court, that isn't going to be your best player or best scorer, but does everything else to make everyone else around better. Um, Plus, you know, get some buckets and play defense. That's Ben. Like he's a guy that, every team should want. And in reality, if Joel shoots, and this is another thing, I, I won't rant too much, but 
But uh, if Joel shoots, how many teams in the league have five players on the court at all time that can shoot? Not like, So if, if now Ben has a primary ball handler and messes up at the end of the game. But when you have a Seth Curry, when you have a hopefully a Tyrese Maxey in two or three years, you can have Ben initiate your offense. You can have Ben run, you know, the point guard all yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. And then come to the end of the game, pull Jimmy Butler and give Tyrese Maxey or Seth Curry or somebody like that the ball to close the game. Ben doesn't need to be your closer. Right. right. You know? Right. And right. Then, there's too much perception, I think, around Ben that uh, people expect him to be something he's not. So they don't see the good stuff he does. Right. Right. Plus, they haven't and, seen him playing forever. I think that's yes. – I think – yeah, well, that's <laughs> – Thing. Relevance, you know, relevance is it, recency bias is the real thing. Um, but Ben Simmons, you know, I, I think the reason I, you know, am so attracted to this style, um, it's not flashy, but he does play basketball the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of the NBA these days, it's you know, James Harden is the epitome of playing basketball the wrong way. Um, and you know, and I and I don't mean that in a totally bad way because he makes it work for himself. Um, he he's the league leading in, in scoring, you know what I mean? And he's a, he's a very good passer. He orchestrates all offense. So I don't mean it like that, but it's very untraditional, and it's not necessarily the right way to play when you're, you know, hoisting up 30 shots a game. Well, um, I told you Harden reminds me a lot of Iverson without as much heart. <laughs> like, if you think about it, you know, I, Iverson was a phenomenal scorer that never really took that next step to be a champion. Yeah. Um and that's my thing with Harden is he's going to be to go down as one of the greatest scorers ever. But there's the intangibles of Harden that he never really took that next step. He never – I mean, you can't party all night into your 30s and expect to start winning. There, there's just different things. And I made a big point to say Harden's not a top-five player in the league. Um, skill-wise, I think Harden is closer to a top-five player in the league. But if I'm looking at top five players, I want a LeBron who's taking care of his body. Uh, family, not family, but like basketball is a f- at least 60% of his life, 50% of his life. Like to me, Harden is a guy that shows up, gets buckets, and then doesn't worry about anything else. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, and Ben to me is the LeBron type attitude where basketball is a big part of Ben's life, you know. M- just because he doesn't shoot, like the, the guy is in the gym a lot more than what we know. Right. Right. You know. And I think people people because he doesn't shoot doesn't mean necessarily that he can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is a comfort thing and it's a mental thing to an extent. If you haven't been a shooter your whole life, you know he's 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 grown up where he can dunk on everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you grow up like that, you don't have to take jump shots. Why would you? It's easier and to make jumps and dunks. It's not even just that. Like when you when you have coaches who want to make a name for themselves too. Coaches are some coaches. Great coaches are going to try to create the best player they can um, for the kid's future. Other coaches, and this happens a lot in AAU that I've seen, they coach to players' strengths like it's the NBA. You can't do that with high school kids. You can't do that with middle school kids. Like you need to make them. So if I'm a coach and I got Ben Simmons and I want to look good, I'm telling Ben to go to the hole every time because it's going to make me look good. Where if I'm telling Ben, you know, you know, try shooting, do this or do something. 
and I lose a game because Ben goes over 11 from the three, I'm going to look bad. So I'm not, I don't know if that's how his coaches were. Um, that's just my personal thing that I've seen around my way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to your point, the mental part, uh, real quick, one of my favorite things about Ben is he's accepted that he want, he should be doing it. Um, and the report that came out about a sports psychiatrist, uh, just accepting it and trying to get help for it. Um, I think if Ben slows the game down a little bit for him, he'll be fine. One of the biggest things I see with Ben um, is when he catches the ball, his this, his instincts are to dribble or pass. And he's playing at such a high pace at such a high level that that initial catch, instead of catch and shoot, it's catch and instinct. So I'm hoping that eventually the game will slow down for him. Um, and maybe the psych helps them, you know, kind of just take a split second step back where you can think to shoot first and then his shot will come. And like you said, he can shoot like everybody's seen him hit 12 to 15 threes in a row during warmups. Right, everybody right. knows it's possible. Just do it in the game and it'll come because he's never going to be a high volume shooter. Right. But I think at some point something will come towards that. And I think that, you know, the comparison that of like a kid, obviously, being, you know, more of a physical specimen, but, um, you know, similar. Jason Kidd didn't have a jump shot. He didn't even take jump shots, you know, until later in his career. He's more of that pass first, defensive minded, um, facilitating, you know, just all about getting doing the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. With LeBron, um, you know, he still gets criticized for passing, you know, making the right pass sometimes. There's nothing wrong with making the right pass. That shot that Danny Green missed in the playoffs last year, that's, that's not that he, that he missed it. You know what I mean? That's not Bron's fault. He made the right play. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, you, you can't criticize. It. People that say that are just people that are novice basketball fans. They just watch, you know, for the excitement. They don't get the actual sport and, and what goes into it. I thought you made a really good point about the coaches when you're in your young stages of basketball. Um, you know, I just thinking about myself, uh, what what they used me for in high school. A guy, I'm only six feet tall. You know what I mean? So I'm. I know what you're gonna say. Size for even a point guard in college. You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah. The fact that you're running me at like a small forward slash power forward type of position in high school, you're not building me for the future because I'm not gonna be able to go to college and play at this. That's what happened to me. I was 6'2 as a sophomore. So yeah. where did they put me? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and I didn't have the skill set to be a 6'2 guard. So instead of training me to be a 6'2 guard, they just stuck me with the big man. Exactly. Um, in retrospect, I should have took it on my own to try to do that. But you don't always know that when you're 16, 17 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but Ben, Ben will come. Yeah, I think he'll shoot. I, I have, you know, high confidence in Ben. You know, I'm I'm one of those guys that if he can get the scoring side down, and I don't even mean shooting, if he can just be that guy that can get you 16 to 20 points a night on a consistent mm-hmm. basis, I think that's where, you know, he gets a little spotty is some of those nights he'll have under 10 points, and then some nights he'll have, you know, 20-plus or, you know, in the 16 to 18 range. If he can just get to that 16 to like 20 range on a nightly basis, this team's going to be in good shape. Um, and you can do that off five layups, you know, put back, whatever. That doesn't take much to get that mu- that amount of points. Um, but, you know, what's, 
what people just don't seem to get about Ben, look at that Celtics series. What was really exposed? Because I think it was the defense on those forwards. I mean, if you have Ben oh, yeah. in that in that series, he can at least guard either Jason Tatum or a guy like uh, you know Jalen Brown. Um, even Kimba Walker, if you need him to, you know what I mean? Because Kimba Walker was uh, dicing us up there for a while when he was going against Shake Milton. Um, if, you, if you shut Tatum down to a point where he wasn't – and then that's the, the another thing about that series was you were trading Joel twos for Tatum threes because no one could guard Tatum. And that's right. not a shot at Matisse. Like, Matisse isn't ready. He's a rookie. Yeah. He's not having it. Yeah. Now, if, you, if you're trading uh, Joel twos in the post for contested – Shots Tatum's taking with Ben, that's a whole different outlook. Exactly. You know, so you're right. Like the perimeter defense with Ben was severely missed. And Ben can so on the one through five, you know, if he has to. And that's and that's the other dynamic thing with Ben. Um, you you just trade a 24 year old all defensive first team, all NBA defensive first teamer for a 31 year old. I, I I can't do it. I can't do it, man. And I um, just said that. Yeah, you you know we can we can talk about Harden um, some more. We can talk about guys like Levine. Um, if you think the Sixers will even make any more moves at all, um, maybe it's not the trade deadline, whatever the case may be. But um, I'm just not in the interest of trading Ben Simmons at all. No, um, neither am I. I'm not trading Joel Embiid at all right now. Um, but. I will tell you this, and this is maybe a question you can answer too, because I am interested. Um, if I had to choose, if, if somebody's holding a gun to my head and says trade one of them, I'm honestly I'm going to trade Joel Embiid. So am I. And and you know people would kill me for that. I know they'll kill me for saying that. Um, I'm just not sold on Embiid's longevity, and I'm not sold 100% on his drive. Now I think he is saying all the right things. He does usually follow up with everything he says. I do think he loves the city, and um, I think he means everything he says about that, wanting to bring a championship. Oh, so I think he is maturing. I think we're seeing yeah. maturity increase on uh, Joel Embiid. So maybe he can change my mind on that. But as of right now, I think Ben Simmons is young, athletic, and, and can run an offense. Imagine Ben Simmons with a, a bunch of shooters around him. You know what I mean? Where he just yeah. gunning. <laughs> it, it, it could be crazy, you know what I mean? So I'm hoping we see a lineup. You know, you, if you watch Paul Reed at all or any of his videos, yeah. So the two way players can play 50 games this year. Um, they're usually stuck at uh, I think 45 days with the team. Um, so that's huge. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. of COVID, they want people. Um, Paul can run that small ball five. Um, he plays bigger than he is. So. I would love to see them, you know, just kind of experiment. Like, put he can shoot. He's shot before, um, but put Paul, Ben, and three shooters out there, Tobias and, you know, whoever else, and just see what he does, you know, because um, they're going to run fast and they're going to get shots up. Um, and when you have elite shooters around Ben, they're going to make them. Exactly. You know, even like Isaiah Joe, like Isaiah Joe to me is a guy that can really contribute this year. Mainly because all he has to do is catch and shoot. Yeah. Like, yeah. let Ben take the ball. He's Ben's going to get you open. Um, yeah, yeah. And you're you're a six five kid that you know shot close to forty percent on his career on ten threes a game. So like, all he's got to do is catch and shoot. So he should be able to do that 
you know, that's not that hard to translate to a game. Whereas, which is why I think like Maxi might take some time because when you're creating, when you're dribbling, when you're driving as a young kid and a smaller kid in a man's league, that's harder than just getting open and shooting. Um, having Ben get you open and pulling up. So yeah, yeah, Isaiah yeah. Joe is another guy that you want to put him next to Ben a little bit this season. I love it. Yeah. yeah. The more shooters around Ben, the better. Um, you know, like you said, he led the league in like assisted two three pointers. So it, it's you know you, you can see he gets guys open shots. He makes he makes guys around him better. Um, we well, can to your point, but my bad. To your point though, yeah. If if it needs to get blown up, I'm moving Joel. Um, yeah. Because I think Joel has a higher trade value too. Yeah. yeah. And um, like you said, like how much do you want to pay 29 year old Joel Embiid uh, a supermax? Um, that's a scary thing to say. Yeah. And you still have five years left of Ben. So if you move Joel and where I don't think Ben, he may never be a LeBron where he's the best player on the team or the best scorer on the team, but you have a better chance of winning, you know, with Joel, with Ben's future, if the two of them have to be split up, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but like you said, if, if Joel follows through and does everything he's saying he's doing, you're not going to have to split these two up. You know, if Joel shows up, he plays his ass off, and they 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 figure this two man game out, which they should be able to do it. They're basketball players. Like at the end of the day, they can adjust. Um, and hearing that Ben's never been allowed to do it, you know, just gives me even more hope that they're they're going to figure it out. So right. this is it might just be a mute point because they might just all finally come together with a new coach and a new system. Yeah. yeah. And I think, that, man, finally, you know, get Brett Brown out of the room. And, and it's not all Brett Brown's fault. Nobody's saying that. But just a fresh scheme of fresh ideas. Um, so the stuff that wasn't working before, we can try new stuff now with Doc. And um, it's, it's exciting to know that, you know, these guys now have – um, somebody like Doc, somebody like Sam Cassell, uh, in in that you know in that in that practice gym, um, coaching them. You know, a guy like Tyrese Maxey. How exciting is that when you come into camp and you get to learn from Sam Cassell? You know, Stop, one of the guards in the league. You know what I mean? So, how exciting is that? And um, yeah, Tyrese Maxey is somebody that you know you've 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 talked about him a good bit on here, and rightfully so. Um, I think he fits the persona of this team as well. Um, yes. Think about, you know, a defensive lineup of him, Ben Simmons, you know, throw Matisse Stiebel out there. That lineup of defense, they're, they're, you're going to be strapped down. Well, obviously, offensively, you might be a little left um, to, to wander. But um, I guess another point I wanted to get from you, you haven't said much about Bible. How how are you feeling about Matisse going into his second year? Um, you know, it, it, do you expect so, a big uh, improvement in production in play? What what do you expect from him? He, he probably just his shots going to come around. Um, and I'm not talking to so he was shooting close to like forty percent before his little thigh injury or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it was incredibly inconsistent. One of the problems with Matisse, and I love Matisse as a person, um, don't get me wrong. When, when you're that young and you, you know, you're, you step out and you, you, you go out of your way to stand up for what you think is right. 
Um, to me, I personally agree with Matisse, but even so, to me, if I didn't agree with him, um, I like the fact that the, you're young enough to know what you believe in and you're not afraid to step up. So as a person, I think Matisse is awesome. Um, his vlogs were great. Um, it's hard to be a 3 and D guy with an inconsistent sh jumper when you're only taking two or three, two or three a game. Right. So either, you know, stay at, get to Roco numbers where you're like five or six a game, but at 33% or get closer to like 38, 39% and shoot three or four a game. Um, because if you're 30% and one or two a game, that, that doesn't mean anything. Like it's literally no production on the offensive end. Right. Um, but then Matisse is another guy that was putting a bad position. Like when Ben goes down, Matisse has to worry about Garden Tatum, who's arguably, a, you know, one of the next big wings in the league. And he's been, he's already been in Eastern Conference Finals. He's played in the playoffs. Like he has experience. And you're throwing a rookie out there to try to guard him for the, And at points, like Matisse did well on him. Um, but through a course of a game, when you're a rookie, Dude, dude, I guess Tatum's a veteran now. They're going to start to figure it out. So they're yeah, going to yeah, figure yeah. out things that – so if Matisse can take the next couple of steps to kind of figure some things out um, and get more involved offensively, whether it's shooting better or getting more shots or both would be, I guess, the best thing he can do. Um, I think he'll be in there. Um, he Apparently he was off the table this summer. So they obviously see something good in him. Right, you know? right, right. Um, it's really hard for me to see who's going to be all off the bench and who's not. Um, because if I take everything at face value of what Maury and Doc say, like, Doc loves Furcon. <laughs> like, he was talking about using Furcon. So, like, a guy who I thought was a fringe rotation player on this team, it's sounding like he's going to get more playing time than we thought. Right. right. So, I don't know what their plan is. Like, Maybe next uh, Zoom call, I ask him. If, but he ain't gonna tell us that anyway. But uh, you know, it, it's hard. It's hard because there's so many unknowns with these young guys. Um, but that's what I like. Like their future is bright now. Again, you know what I mean. Like Matisse, whether or not he plays a lot this year or he's a big factor this year, he's going to grow. Hopefully, um, Maxi glows. Like these young guys grow, and you're not stuck down by the Horford ordeal where you're forced to try to make it work um so that's what i like why they're not moving the young guys um i want matisse to succeed yeah, so i'm yeah, going to yeah. tell you right now he's going to have a big role uh as like a if you want to call me an analyst or taking my emotion out of it i don't know like i really don't know his defense is special his defense is usable um, his offensive times can be a lie. His offensive times hurts the team more than Ben Simmons, than what people think Ben Simmons' offense hurts the team. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's almost unplayable at times. Um, but he's young. Let him get some time in the game, you know? Yeah. I feel like your point about, you know, Matisse. I, I, you know, coming into the offseason, I didn't view him as untouchable. I, when you think about it in the long-term things, as far as the amount of young guys that we actually have, kind of is in a sense. Um, him and guys like Shake, you know, on these cheap contracts. Untouchable um, is a bullshit term anyway, because untouchable for who? 
Right. Like, he's not untouchable for LeBron, right? Like, yeah. right. You know, so let's, you know, he's not being moved for another young guy, I don't think. Yeah. And uh, to your point, it, it is, it, it's hard to, you know, as, as somebody who watches basketball, who's a fan, um, you know, you want the team to succeed. It's hard to guess what's going to happen with Matisse because, you know, he, like you said, he's a liability on offense. So, you know, he's one of those guys, if you're not going to shoot the ball, then we don't need to guard you because you're not going to handle the ball either. Um, he's not, you know, great. He's not, he doesn't really have an identity on offense. And, I think that's, you know, his major issue. If he can solve that, I think he could be a very integral piece um, as far as, you know, just being involved in the team. There's a lineup you know, in my mind where Joel Embiid goes off the floor for his break and you keep Ben Simmons in there with a second unit that just runs and plays defense. Um, kind of small ball, similar to what you said with, like, Paul Reed. Um, they might even I, go smaller. I, I like yeah. the Paul Reed thing, but they might even go smaller. Yeah, and and if they do, that's a it's a very deadly lineup when you can mm. you know lock in on D and you know have guys around Ben that can just shoot threes and uh, you know spread the floor around. So um, there's ideas there where you know Matisse could really fit in um, in an offense where you you might be passing the ball into Joel. I'm not sure you know Matisse fits in that offense. Um, you know, probably more of the liability sense in an offense like that. Um, I think one thing about this year, and this is just a, a speculation, yeah, I think Doc's going to have more freedom to kind of uh, experiment. Um, one thing about this year compared to last is there's no expectations. They they haven't said, "I want to be a one seed." We're going to we're built for the playoffs. There's none of that shit. Like right. and, like the rest of the world, the NBA world doesn't talk about the Sixers. Like no, they're just there. Like Oh, their all season was good. We'll see what they can do. You know, blah 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 blah. So yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a different feel around it with a different with Maury, who has talked about using Ben in the small ball lineups to begin with. Um, so I'm hoping that's it's going to allow Doc a little more you know leeway, and he's not he's not coaching for his job. Like I'm not trying to keep defending Brett, um, because ultimately he's he's not the greatest head coach. It was his first job. Like he's just learning. Um, but when you coach for your job, especially when you have guys like Matisse, you know, it's almost like the AAU thing again. Like, Matisse, focus on defense. This is what you're good at. This is the best way you're going to help the team right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, did it hurt them throughout the season? If if that was the way they taught, they coached them. I don't know. So, Bill, back to the very beginning of this fresh lineup, this, this fresh coaching staff, this fresh front office, and I think you have lower expectations, which will allow them to try different things and maybe learn more about their players. Yeah. And I think that, uh, that's a that's a perfect segue into the last part of the show. Um, you know, I, I did just want to get your idea of going into this season. And I'm sure we'll talk again during the season, you know, once yeah, we get yeah. um, you know, it's been awesome having you on here. You're you're full of insight, man. I will you know, tell you. I'm going to tell you, too, and I'll apologize for this and anybody that listens to me. I'm still learning the structure part of podcasts and videos. Um, so when I start, I mean, you sent me the list. We've gone off track. So just don't let me rant. You can keep me focused, man, because I'll just talk. <laughs> no, nah, man. You know, the way the way I like to – and this is good to talk about as well um, with you being here. 
the way I like to run the show, I, I like to give a layout just so mm-hmm. we have an idea of what we need to hit on. Um, but as far as the flow of the show, I like to just keep it fluent and, you know, kind of not structured. So I, I, I like to, you know, if we talk about ben, let's talk about Ben now, you know, we'll dive right into it right now. Um, I, I like doing that myself. I like getting getting it in. So yeah. we're going to talk about it regardless. It doesn't matter the order. Yeah, um, I mean, if, we, if we run out of time and you got more stuff you want to talk about, we could do it next week, too. Like, it don't matter. Exactly. To me, personally, we can make time. So. Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're gonna get you on here again, man. I, I loved having you on so far. Um, before I get you out of here tonight, I do want to know what is a realistic goal for the Sixers this season with new coaching staff, um, partially new front office, and a revamped roster. So for me, uh, a lot of people are gonna look at uh, um, playoff success and um, seasonal record. My, my thing, my, my main thing is I never thought growth was linear. So just because they made it to the second round one series one year and they make it to the second round and the first round next year doesn't mean they can't make that jump to the championship the next year. Um, but I like what Doc has said from the beginning. He wants his offense and defense to get into the top 10. Um, so regardless of record, because this year is going to be hard. Um, if Ben Simmons pops a positive test, he's going to miss six to 10 games uh, depending on, because it's a 14 day protocol and he's still popping positive tests. Even if he's not sick, like they can't put him back on the court. Right, so right, right. you have this, this weird dynamic of losing players to an illness. Cause if you have the flu, you can play through it realistically. Or if you have a weak flu, you play through it. Uh, COVID something different. Um, yeah. Yeah. The spread and our inability to treat it. So you have this weird dynamic where Joel and Ben could be out in reality and uh, we can't control it, even though they're able to play like they're asymptomatic. It don't matter. They're not. Right. You, you don't have that control to power through COVID right now. Um, um, what's it called? Protocol wise. Like yeah, I'm yeah. sure people, I'm sure there's people who are sick that could have COVID and still go into work or power through and play. Um, but as an overall whole for a society, that's not good right now so record wise what happens if both of them miss 10 games you know in a 72 game season but if you look at what they're able to do when they're on the court and you look at what doc does if if those lineups and and when they're all healthy to me are in top 10 offense and defense i think that gives you at least something to build on um and i would like to see joel be healthy throughout the playoffs. Um, not COVID wise, just, just keep yourself in shape, keep yourself running, keep yourself engaged, stuff like that. So yeah, there, yeah. they would be my two goals for the season. Um, do I want them to win a championship as a fan? Yeah, of course. Like you always want a championship, but I think they need a, a stepping block at least. So show me what you can do when you're in court, get your offense and defense into that top 10 to 12 range and um, see what you can do in the playoffs. Um, but if they flame out in the second round or whatever, like I'm not the type of person that gets upset about that. Right. I, right. I want to see improvement, you know, overall. Yeah. Which yeah. shouldn't be that hard because last year's offense was awful. awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah. if, the, the hard part would be going into another offseason where you don't know if Joel and Ben can really work 
Um, the lineups have worked in the past. We all know the numbers. Um, but if they establish a two-man game this year and they're a five-seed, but the two-man game is really effective, I'm cool with that because it's only going to be better. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And unfortunately, not to keep crushing Brett, but the way it's been coached over the past couple of years, I think it's set them back. They haven't yeah, played yeah. it enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, give me, give me that stepping stone, you know. Show me an efficient offense. Show me what you can do because our core is here. Seth is here for three years. The young guys are here. Uh, ben and Joel are under contract, and Tobias is obviously under contract. Right. So if you can show me that core, the people under contract, you know, give you more light that you can win it in the next year or two, then you don't have to talk about blowing it up. Exactly. Whereas when you left last year, you didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Like, you had to do something. There was no building upon that. Yeah. Yeah. So I give, think give me a top give me a top ten ish offense and defense. And think, uh, an efficient two man efficient like two man game. And I'll be very happy. I think you're spot on there, man. And um, you know, I think people have to also realize, you know, temper the expectations or maybe just don't even have any, you know, with with the record and with playoff. Because at the end of the day, this is a new coach. This is a new scheme. He has new goals. He has new things he wants to do with these players. And, um, you know, you can't expect – this is the NBA. These are seven-game series. You don't just go into the playoffs and all of a sudden you're the championship. You know what I mean? You watch these same teams. Now, obviously, last year it changed, and, you know, you had the inflexion of the Raptors or whatever. But for a while there, it was the Warriors and the Cavs every single year, and nobody Mm -hmm could take that step. So um, if we can just see some progress this year, um, you know, like you said, Joel Embiid, stay in shape. Ben Simmons, show us some, you know, aggressiveness, attacking for a, at a constant pace. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. If we get some stuff out of Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel, see improvements there, Shake Milton, see him take a step. Um, those are all things that will get you excited and, you know, just, just optimistic about the future, and I think that's what we need out of this season. Coming out of last season, like you said, it was just very almost depressing. It was like we've been pressing the same button for how many years now, and we're not taking that next step. Whereas now we've made the adjustments. We have new people in the building while we still have our stars and our our, our stepping stones, our, you know, our cement blocks to build the mm-hmm. house with. We have Ben and Joel. They're ready to go. They're locked in, and and we have a, a you know experienced head coach. We have some young guys like Lapeace, Jake, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah, Joe, Paul Reed. All those guys are going to be integral pieces that we need to groom these next couple seasons. And um, I, I think as long as we can just see building blocks, like you said, if we can get into the top twelve defense offense, that's good. That that equals playoffs. You know what I mean? And that does, yeah. Set. Regardless, regardless of outcome, you, exactly. you have something to build on. Exactly. And, exactly. and like I said, like you're hearing Ben and Joel run this pick and roll. I think one of the things that gets a lot of people mad is when they say Ben and Joel can't coexist, and people go, "Well, they won 65 percent of the games." <laughs> well, they don't play together. Technically, right, right. you know what I mean. So if we can see them play together, which I think they can, and if Doc can do that and force it upon them, you, I think you take some of that doubt away. Even if they're say they're a six seed. But Ben and Joel take this next step as a duo, you know, you're going to feel a lot better going, all right, 
maybe they figured something out and they just needed a little more time. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe we can avoid the uh, ESPN telling us to trade everyone. Every, every, every six or seven, you know, trade, trade in. But every time, every single don't time. Get me started on that. Don't get me started on this rank either, because the the way I've seen things, <laughs> people talk about, and this was we talked about it earlier. And I'll, I'll do this for two seconds. Ben has been so disrespected on this offseason where it's like you'll listen to a Zach Lopod. And I like Zach. I think he's awesome. I think he's a great basketball mind and a good writer. Um, yeah. He yeah. says Denver will not trade Michael Porter Jr. for James Harden. And then they'll turn around and go, well, this decision should think about trading Ben. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Porter Jr. has a great future, possibly, but he's not proving it. Like, there's no track record here. Like, you know, and that kind of little stuff, that kind of little shade was what I was getting made at, where, the, you know, Brooklyn can get away with offering Levert and Dinwiddie, who can't get their team past a seven seed. Um, but the, the Sixers have to include Ben. So you're telling me that Ben Simmons is on the same level as Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. Even if he's just a step above that, like, uh, he's been completely disrespected this whole time. And um, I'm hoping he can shut some people up. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. if he doesn't shoot, he's not going to shut anybody up. Yeah, um, yeah. a lot of people up because there's going to be always going to be the haters. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the the casuals, I think you'll start to see come around. Um, if he just does it day in and day out, like I like we all know he can. Yeah, and uh, you know, with that being said, Rob, thank you for coming on the show, man. I'm more than excited for this Sixer season, especially coming out of this Eagles season. Um, yeah. Eagles is Eagles are miserable, man, and um, I'm glad you don't have to cover them. <laughs> I'm glad you don't choose to, I should say, because they they're miserable, man, and it's it's, it's that situation's a mess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to watch, man. Like when they're when they're bad, like the Chip Kelly years. Yeah, so they, at least they can complete a pass. Like they right. can't complete pass. I'll pass. They, they can't throw. Never mind. They can't even get the ball. simple shit is hard. Like that's bad, you know what I mean? Yeah. That that's like taking Al Horford and Joel Embiid and trying to play them in 2020. Like, <laughs> it's hard to watch, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. As much as I and I do love the Eagles, don't get me wrong. Like, basketball is my obsession, but I I have a strong love for. They've been around forever. Like, um, man, they're hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go watch another team, and you're like, wow, that looked easy. Why can't yeah. we do that? <laughs> The bills the other night, man. I, I was telling my girlfriend. I was telling my girlfriend. Uh, you know, last week, right before the Packers game, I was just like, man, it, you know, I thought I was feeling like like butterflies, like nervousness, but in reality, I was just feeling like dread. Yeah, well, I was yeah. dreading having to watch that shit show, and uh, it's just it's it, it it's so like disgusting. Like the offense, like you said. Whether it's Carson missing a throw or it was Carson getting sacked, it was just never ending. And then they'll do this little thing where they, you know, start ramping up the offense at the end of the game. It, it's just so annoying. And yeah, um, that makes sense. I can't like, wait for the season to be over. Honestly, it's it, it's been well, dry. this week should be interesting because at least we get to Jalen Hurts. You get to see, you know, something new. Um, yeah. We don't need to get into that. I don't know where you stand on that. I'm I'm per if you want if anybody out there knows, I'm perfectly fine with them playing Hurts. Um, if I was Carson, I would have been asking for it. But I'm also not a football player. 
<laughs> I ain't getting beat up for four more games for what? Yeah. You know, let the kid try to figure it out, and then I'll come back and I'll I'll beat him out in camp. Yeah, exactly. That would be my mindset was let him figure it out, let me get rested, and I'll beat him out in camp. And see, the problem, you know, in most markets, it probably wouldn't draw this much attention, you know, with the way the season's going and, you know, just how it's all played out. But it's Philly, and we're home of backup quarterbacks. We love our backup quarterbacks here. We won a Super Bowl one. Right. And they thought it was a good idea to draft one again. (laughs) Hi. And you're like, like, I I don't think – I'm not personally – I don't think that draft messed up Carson's head. I I don't think you get to the league and be that – "Quote unquote soft," that yeah, them picking yeah. a player, um, but like it was unnecessary. Right, like you right. just you made whatever stress, whatever type of doubt, you just added to it exactly. instead of trying to help and de-stress. Exactly. You know, exactly. whatever. I can I can complain about the Eagles for hours. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But uh, we'll we'll get we'll get to dread ourselves enough. You know, watching that game on Sunday. Um, at least we do have Jalen Hurts. He's a mobile quarterback. That's exciting. Um, the Saints got a really good defense, though. So we'll, yeah, we'll they're see. They're mess them up. We'll see. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, we'll see. But uh, thank you once again, Rob. Man, it, it yeah, was man. a pleasure. We've we've covered so much tonight. Um, everybody, be sure to go follow my man Rob on Twitter. Be sure to follow his uh, his out his out. You know his source, Lifestyle Media. Lifestyle Media. Yes, sir. Um, you can find them at Lifestyle Media on Twitter. Um, you can also find Rob on Twitter at Man Off, his last name, RM. Um, be sure to give him a follow. He comes in with those Zoom press conferences, all the insights, um, and he keeps us, you know, close to the inside of that, that Sixers front office and that, and that practice facility. So maybe one, maybe one day I'll make it enough to give me my source. Because <laughs> I haven't figured out how to get one. All there these people got sources. I thought they just assigned them one. <laughs> I got I'm, nothing. I'm trying to figure out how that works as well, man. I, I'm I'm trying to get my download with that as well. So I learned. It, I've been told by other writers and stuff. It's just building connections while you're there. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, right now with Zoom, that doesn't happen. Uh, right. So you're not building a connect. You're not talking to a player off the side. You're not talking to you know so-and-so who's this suit who happens to be down by the media entrance that you're bullshitting with at first and you become friends with, you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, right now, those opportunities aren't there. We'll so get there. we'll get there. Roll that vaccine out. Yep. Roll that vaccine out. By the end of the season, we'll get back in there. <laughs> but uh, thank you once again, Rob. Uh, this is going to be it for me. Um, you once again, be sure to subscribe and like the video. Um, you know, support the podcast, Scotty Talks Philly Sports. Um, be sure to give me a follow on Twitter as well if you don't already at Scotty Drown. That's my personal page. The sports page is ST Philly Sports One. Um, shout out to, to Rob Manoff. Thank you for coming on. Shout out mm-hmm. to Lab Media. Um, you know, putting great, great content out there. That's gonna be it for us tonight, guys. Thank you for watching and see you next time. Thanks for having me, man. I'll talk to you.